Hello and welcome to Digital Insights featuring topics from the BoagWorld.com blog. My name is Paul Boag and on this podcast I offer advice on user experience and digital transformation. Today I want to talk to you about how users think and how little we really know or understand about that. As designers, we are seeking to persuade, to empower and to delight our users. We want them to take a specific action or find an interface effortless and we want to engage them along the way. But, but to, to But to do all of these things, we need to understand how they think. Sure, we can do testing and that will help us try out different approaches. But to come up with those approaches in the first place, we need to understand the psychology behind users' behavior. In particular, we need to understand how users make decisions. Decisions such as whether to buy or which option to click on or where to look on a site. Unfortunately, most designers I've met still seem to believe that users make rational, considered decisions. You can see that from the way that most of us organise and structure our websites. Designers go to great lengths to create information architectures that are logical, but people are not anywhere near as rational as we think they are. Good design understands that we're not always logical. That's why tomatoes appear in the salad aisle of a supermarket, despite the fact that they're actually a fruit. It's there because that's where people expect it to be, logical or not. The misconception that we make logical decisions occurs because mostly we are unaware of those other influencing factors. And that's because most of our conscious decision uh, takes place in the cerebellum. Um, However, that's only one part of the brain. There's also the limbic system and the brain stem. While the cerebellum is mainly responsible for conscious thought, it does not make decisions independently. Although the limbic system is known as the emotional center of the brain, it also plays an enormous role in decision making. In fact, in studies of patients who've received damage to their limbic system, it's shown that they can't even make the most simple of decisions. Even the brainstem plays a role. This is the most primitive part of our brain, sometimes referred to as the lizard brain. But it influences our survival instinct. And believe it or not, those instincts profoundly influence the decisions you're making on a daily basis. The brainstem in conjunction with the limbic system controls some of the most fundamental reactions that we have. Reactions such as our flight and fight response. And it's surprising just how much of our decision making is influenced by this kind of animalistic reaction. For example, when surveyed, the vast majority of people say that they want to give more to charity. Why then is the conversion rate on charity websites so dismally low? Why are charities not inundated with donations? Although the answer to this question is complicated, our survival instinct plays a significant role. Our survival instinct drives us to hoard resources for fear that we might not have enough tomorrow. We fear that making a donation because it means that we will have to lose something. We're loss adverse. In fact, scientific research has shown us that the negative emotional impact of loss is twice as intense as the positive effect of gains. If we want to design a charity website or an e-commerce site, we need to address this problem. One charity solved this problem by starting a Give More Tomorrow campaign. The idea is that you sign up to give in the future, so lessening the feeling of loss today. That's not dissimilar to buying a TV on higher purchase rather than paying it outright. E-commerce sites have to address the issue by demonstrating that the gains of purchase significantly outweigh the cost. 
proving that is in itself easier once you understand what exactly it is that people want, what they desire. Most of us are aware of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow proposed that there are specific human needs that we require to fulfill, that these needs build upon one another. In other words, until we've met our basic physiological needs, we are less concerned with those higher requirements such as a sense of belonging or self-actualization. In truth, there's not a massive amount of evidence behind Maslow's hierarchy. However, it does challenge us as designers to consider what the need of the product that we are selling fulfills. When we sell products online, we tend to focus on the product's features rather than the underlying need that that product fulfills. Take, for example, your typical Volvo ad on TV. The adverts don't focus on engine power, fuel efficiency or cubic interior space. Instead, they talk about safety because that's one of our primary human needs. Other car brands focus on different parts of Maslow's hierarchy. Sports cars and luxury brands focus on self-esteem, while four-wheel drive vehicles promise adventure and self-improvement. Taking the time to consider the underlying need your product provides will increase its perceived value, but there are other factors that affect um, value as well. You see, nothing has an inherent value. Instead, we establish the value through many different criteria, criteria that you need to take into account when designing a website. For example, we all know that price is dictated by supply and demand. Therefore, the perceived value of something is influenced by the perceived demand and the available supply. In other words, if people consider something to be much rarer and much more in demand, they will often pay more for it. Then there's the fact that we view something as valuable if we have a connection to it or if it was something that we invested in in some way. For example, a parent may well favour a low quality mug made by their child over a professionally manufactured cup that was considerably more expensive to produce. Finally, there is also the fact that we establish the worth of something by comparing it to something else. Does the product that you're selling compare favorably um, to other similar products regarding its price and benefits? At this point, it's also worth talking about the influence of others on our thinking. That's because the opinions of others will have a significant impact on our willingness to buy. Humans are inherently social animals, and that will influence how we buy online in much the same way as it affects all of our other behavior. Probably the most prominent example of this is our tendency to adopt the path of the majority. All things being equal, we tend to make the same choice as others have made. There's safety in numbers. However, this principle goes even further. Sometimes we can be influenced to choose the majority view despite being unsure about the choice ourselves. That's just how powerful social influence is. We're even more heavily influenced by the choices of those we respect. The preferences of friends, family, experts or even celebrities will sway our decision making for better or worse. Another significant aspect of our social tendencies is our desire to associate with the tribe. Harking back to our primeval ancestry, we feel the need to belong to a social group and perceive those from another social group in a negative light. In today's capitalist society, the products that we buy are often a signal of the type of social group that we want to be a part of. 
We use them to shape our identity, a fact that Apple used to its advantage with its Mac versus PC ads in which it emphasised the Mac user was creative, cool and thought differently. All of this goes to show that we are far less rational um, and far less conscious in our thinking than we believe. The reason for this is that we're not actually that good at rational thinking. The book Thinking Fast and Slow perfectly demonstrates this fact, how we struggle to think things through in an entirely rational way. It introduces us to a fictional character called Steve and follows up with a question. The book says, Steve is shy and withdrawn, inevitably helpful, but with little interest in people or the world of reality. A neat and tidy soul, he needs order and structure and a passion for detail. So it then goes on to ask, is Steve more likely to be a librarian or a farmer? Now think about it for a minute. I bet you answered a librarian. But in truth, he's more likely to be a farmer, and that's because there are 20 times more farmers in Western countries than there are librarians. Yet most of us won't even consider that fact. Instead, we instinctively conclude that he will be a librarian based on our archetype of what we believe a librarian should be. That's because it's easier to call to mind a mental picture of what a librarian is like than it is to work out the probability of him being one. It's the same reason why we will instantly be able to answer a question like, what's the capital of France? But we need to put considerable thought into answering what is 14 times 21. Knowing this is important to designers because it demonstrates the need to understand a user's mental model and to conform to conventions. For example, if I asked you um, where you would expect to find a shopping cart on an e-commerce site, Um, you would instinctively say probably the top right. When the shopping cart isn't in that position, we're then forced to think. Now that's known as cognitive load and it matters. It matters a lot. In fact, many cite it as one of the main reasons for site abandonment. As you can see, understanding how users think is a critical component for us as a designer. Whether we're seeking to persuade, empower or delight, We need to have a deep understanding of how people think.